This Easter message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church and Pastor Kevin Myers. We hope it serves you well. Please enjoy. Welcome to 12 Stone and Happy Easter. This is the weekend when families take pictures of their kids and post them proudly. But this is my first Easter as a grandpa, and so you're going to have to put up with me because I'm going to post my granddaughter's picture. Uh, this is Breland, unbelievably adorable in every way. And the truth of the matter is, before Breland came along, uh, our, our kids struggled. Uh, they, they wrote their script for when they wanted to have kids, and it, just, it didn't play out that way. Uh, it took a couple years of just battling through some infertility uh, issues and, and just plans broke down. And that, that's really familiar to all of us in terms of making a script or a plan for life. Oh, we, we've all done this kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm going to write my script. Here's how it's going to go. And, and then plans fall through. Haven't you had that happen? I mean, we all have in small and big ways. Oh, a small way it broke down for me. I was 17 years old when I got my first motorcycle. A Yamaha 175 Enduro, and I was just learning uh, how to, to, to work a clutch and uh, negotiate the gears, and uh, my 17-year-old cousin came over, and so my script was, my plan was to impress him. And so I was going to do my little Evil Knievel, pop the, the front tire up a few times. And about the third time I popped it up, I, I lost control, slid down the bike, uh, let go of the clutch, and full throttle, and did an unintended uh, catwalk uh, for about 20, 30 feet, uh, full throttle into the front door uh, of our townhouse, our rented townhouse. Hit the door dead center and ripped it literally off the hinges, went, put it flat right on the entry of the little townhouse. Somehow I'm still on the bike and I drove right across it and continued up the stairs. Uh, and so I went literally, you don't have to make this up. I mean, it just really happened. This way. I went about a third of the stairs and then flipped backward and, and the handlebars lodged into the wallboard. So I'm literally still hanging on the bike, looking backwards out the ripped open uh, uh, door with my cousin uh, looking at, he's in shock, I'm in shock, gas is dripping on me. I have no idea what just happened. Uh, but that is not how I scripted being cool. Uh, that just, that just is it not. And, and you may have never thought about it, but that was a little bit of what happened at the very first Easter. The, the script got flipped. First for the disciples. I mean, they decided how Jesus' journey should unfold. Look at Matthew chapter 16. From this time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And Peter, this is one of the 12 disciples, took him aside and, and, and rebuked him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Now, isn't that fascinating? That the disciples kind of wrote their script. Jesus, uh, you're, you're never going to die like that. <laughs> you're, you're not going to die on the cross. You're not going to die that way. And yet he did. It, just, it, it flipped their script. Not at all what they planned. Messed with their head. I mean, they don't understand what's going on. 
Equally, the script got flipped for the religious leaders, the Pharisees, because they said, oh yeah, no, Jesus will. You will be crucified. And you won't rise from the dead. <laughs> and they did everything in their power and it didn't matter because Jesus did rise from the dead. Their script got flipped as well. See, the truth of the matter is, while many of us are writing the script for how we want life to work in our relationships, in our career, and, and all through life, and our health and the like, we end up living out an unscripted life. That's the title of the book from Ernie Johnson Jr. that has come out in the last couple of weeks, getting a lot of press a, a, across the country. And you might know Ernie because he is the sportscaster, the host of uh, TNT's Inside the NBA, and, and he, he does things like uh, sportscasting for the, the Final Four for the basketball, and he'll do play-by-play -play with the Major League Baseball and, and things with the PGA. But I met Ernie about 20 years ago, and we became friends. And I asked Ernie for permission to leverage his book and his story for this Easter and the next three weeks of this series, because I think what he's writing about and talking about is familiar to us. I, I think we try and write our script, and he talks about it in the book, and, and, then, and then life goes off script and now part of what Ernie's saying is hey when it goes off script and you can't predict it sometimes those are the best and most extraordinary things learn how to embrace it but equally he talks about how you discover that you know what God has a script God, God's written a script and and so I asked Ernie to join with us in this kind of conversation over these next few weeks and we sat down and had a bit of an interview with him and here's about seven minutes of the interview that I think just makes sense so we're going to walk alongside his journey but I think it, it connects to all of our journey so just listen for about seven minutes and then we'll unpack it together check it out why would you blame me for that? <laughs> we don't even talk here first, How am I going to reach over there and tie that around your leg while you're sitting there? Good job, Ernie. Get out of here, man. That's crazy. Wow. Anyway, what were you saying? You know, anybody who's watched our show knows we don't stick to basketball. You know, we talk about, yeah, we talk about the game. When the game is bad, sometimes we talk about anything but the game. So we talk race on that show. We talk politics on that show. Um, and, you know, it's whatever. Sometimes you can just look at it and say, what's the world talking about right now? Uh, well, we're probably going to weigh in on that, too. My friends who know the story of our family have always said, man, you ought to write a book. When are you going to do that? And, and I had that in the back of my mind for a long time, but just didn't think it was time because we've got a lot of layers in our family from adoption to caring for a special needs child to a cancer episode to how I came to faith at a late age, uh, relatively. Who I am was what I do. I mean, I had become, I'm this sportscaster. And I would tell folks, oh no, I'm a husband and father first and, and a sportscaster. My job defined who I was. Um, my job dictated how I treated people. At one time in particular, when I'm working local TV and, and a producer mistimed the show, and so as the weekend sportscaster, I'm used to getting six and a half, seven minutes, and it was down to like two minutes, and it's the last segment of the, of the news. I came out after that newscast, and the producer came out of her chair and met me in the, you know, at the door to the control room, very apologetic. I am so sorry that I did that. I heard none of it. I just let her have it verbally in combinations that 
that uh, sailors were envious of. I mean, it was horrible. And I did, I did this in front of, you know, 10 other people on the crew. And I walked back to my office, proud of myself. I defended my turf. That'll never happen again. And really, it wasn't until I, that we hit the doors of the church and talked about who's the provider and what are you after, that it wasn't about my happiness I was after. It wasn't about what's the next thing I'll buy to make me happy. It was, it was all about, so what's my purpose? And is there a plan bigger than my own? Is there something bigger than my script? You know, so, you know Cheryl and I go through um, like 15 years of married life, and it's 1997, and, and we're kind of saying, you know, a lot of the kids' friends go to church, and they're always asking Eric and Maggie, why don't you guys go to church? And they didn't have an answer. Um, and we said, well, let's, let's, let's explore a little bit. We've been driving past this, this place uh, with this blue roof um, called Crossroads on Collins Hill Road. So Cheryl's like, why don't you swing by there and see if there's some information about it? And I'm like, cool. So I did. And so I take, I take all this information back, and I said, it looks, it looks pretty good. I, and one of the things is that we needed child care for Michael because you know, he's a special needs kid. And <laughs> so Cheryl reads all this. And... and uh, she said, this looks great, but I, mean, I wish they didn't mention Jesus so much in this pamphlet. <laughs> and I, because I know, look, I told you, we were kind of, you couldn't find any couple more, you know, really kind of further from God in that portion of our life. And I said, well, let's, let's give it a shot anyway, we'll see. <laughs> and, um, that changed everything. Um, you know, it was unlike any church we'd ever been to. You know, they got guitars on the up front, and they've. You know, it's a kind of a little place. It's you know, a little over a hundred and hundred hundred and fifty maybe in there. But their words are on the screen, and the band is playing, and folks are clapping and I'm, you know, I'm trying to get the beat. And then the first two messages, those first two Sundays, uh, PK is talking about uh, what are you pursuing and who's your provider? And, and, you know, what are you pursuing, happiness or wholeness? You know, my answers to the two questions was, I'm the provider, and happiness, obviously. And, and so I was over for two. And the more he explained, I found that um, I was all in. I wanted the next step. 
I told him, I said, is there a time you and I can sit down, have lunch, do something? I said, because God is messing with me. And he said, sure, let's, let's, let's sit down and have lunch. And so on December 10th, 1997, he and I have um, lunch at an O'Charlie's in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And, and he said, so what do you believe and where are you? And, and we talk and he said, you know what, you're a, you're a prayer away from changing your life. And we sat there and joined hands at this table at O'Charlie's and, and, and I prayed to accept Jesus Christ. And, and uh, you know, we're sitting there with our hands joined and, and the, you know, the server comes up and says, hey, do you want some more sweet tea? And I was like, I'm good. And I was good. December 10th, 1997, new birthday. And I remember that day vividly with Ernie when we sat at O'Charlie's and that question was the big question, is there a plan bigger than my own? You know, is there, a, is there something bigger than my script? Those are courageous questions. We ought to be asking those. I'm really glad that Ernie, uh, you know, took 20 years before he, he wrote his story because it was more than a 20-second prayer that day. It, it was a prayer that shifted the next 20 years of his life. It, it changed the way he, he did life. And, and, it, it, and, it, and it reshaped his eternity. And Ernie talked about it this way in, in his book. If you go pick up the book and, and read it. He said, that was the day I went from a me-centered life to a Jesus-centered life. Because that's when he discovered. That's, that's when it like finally connected with him. That the, the script Ernie was writing for his life is the small script. There is a bigger script in life, one that God has, has written. And then there's a purpose and a story bigger than, than Ernie's little life, and, and Ernie could be a part of it. And so God reshaped things in Ernie's life, and it changed the way he did marriage, changed the way he did family, changed the way he, he saw life and, and experienced life and went after career and, and how he handled pressure and praise. I mean, all this got reshifted. Like, like God, was, God was making sense of life by making sense of the Bible. And if nobody's ever given you like the framework for the Bible, then these next few minutes are going to be valuable for you. So here and across the campuses, you have teaching notes. I'm going to help you with that. And so look at your teaching notes. I'm going to go back here on the whiteboard. I'm just going to jot this down, uh, walk through it. And you might want to uh, kind of... Put it on your notes. I'm, I'm going to do it in quick form, but right in your teaching notes at the bottom, there's a link for you. If you're one of those like, oh man, I need more of this, well then we did a series on it some time ago, and, and you can go into greater detail and, and listen to it online and whatever is helpful to you. The, the Bible is referred to often as the scripture, and, and what it's really telling us is right there, there's a script that God has written. In other words, God is very much on purpose. He's already written a script for all of life, and, and it's going to play out. God God's never off script. And, and that you can be on God's purpose by God's power. Because God is on purpose and you're here for a purpose. 
But for most of us, we end up with like these little puzzle pieces, like bits and pieces of the story of the Bible, like, oh, there's Adam and Eve, or there's like Moses in the Ten Commandments, maybe, or like, uh, you know, you've heard of David and Goliath, or, you know, Merry Christmas, Jesus is born. So, but, but nobody's ever put the whole thing together. Like, like, if you've never been given the puzzle box top, you don't know the, the big picture, then, then you don't know what's going on. So I'm going to give you that here uh, briefly, uh, that here's how the Bible is laid out. And the Bible is, by the way, one story. It's just one story, God's story, telling our story. And, and it begins uh, in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and it travels along and, and tells the story of Jesus, and that's the turning point uh, in the Bible, and then uh, ends in the book of Revelation. And so from Genesis to Jesus to Revelation is one story. But because everything turns on Jesus, then that story is divided into two halves. And the one half is called the Old, say it with me, it's called the what? Old Testament. So you might have heard, oh yeah, the, there's the Old Testament, and then there's, guess what the other half is? <laughs> the, the New Testament. And so the Bible's divided into the Old Testament and the New Testament, but it's one story. And there are five major events in the Old Testament. And those five major events are mere image parallel in the New Testament. And so once you know those five, you know what on earth God is doing and you know where you are in the Bible. Again, I'm doing a very uh, quick, high-level, 30,000-foot-high overview. But I'm going to give you the five events. So the Bible begins in Genesis with God as a creator. And we have God. So here's how it goes. God and righteous people in paradise. In other words, it all begins, and we have heaven on earth because everything is awesome. Everything is what, everybody? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, heaven on earth, uh, we're perfect, holy uh, people created by God in his image. We have in the Garden of Eden, everything, everything that we ever needed or wanted. That's how you want life to be. It's how you imagined it should be, and it was. And God created everything for us and said, enjoy it all except the one tree. Don't mess with this tree because if you do, that's disobedience. If you eat from this tree, uh, you'll surely die, meaning you'll separate yourself from me. You lose everything. First major event, God and righteous man in paradise. Then the, the second major event is Satan and sin enter. Uh, and this, this is where everything blows up. We, we kind of decide, you know what, God is, you know, everything's good, but, but maybe we don't need God. And so mankind sins, and we bring upon ourselves uh, death and loss and destruction. And the, the next major event in the Old Testament is that the world is judged and destroyed. Uh, because uh, every inclination of our heart is to, to sin, and we're kind of saying, you know what, first we walked with God, and, and then we decide, well, you know what, maybe we don't need God. And now we've decided, <laughs> maybe there just is no God. And so God brings destruction to, to the whole earth except for Noah and his, his family and, and, and the world starts over. And then the next major event, and this, by the way, moves from Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 and 7 area. And then, and then you get to around uh, Genesis 10 and 11. The next major event is a one world government. And this one world government is referred to as the, the Tower of Babel. And that's where all of mankind shared the same language and, and building this tower unto our own selves. Because first we were walking with God. And then we think, well, there is no, maybe we don't need God. Maybe there is no God. Hey, maybe we are gods. And so we're kind of acting like our own gods. And, and God confuses the languages and disperses them. Those are the first four major events. The fifth is the majority of the Old Testament. It's from Genesis 12 through the rest of the Old Testament. That's the, 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 the bulk of it. And God writes a contract. Say it with me. He writes a what? You see, another word for testament is contract. 
So there's the Old Testament, the New Testament, the old contract, the new contract. God writes a contract. He starts with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and it's really for the 12, what becomes the 12 tribes, the nation of Israel, God's holy people. And with Israel, God establishes this, uh, this relationship where now they can walk with God in the way they, they do this. There's a worship sacrificial system. The lamb is sacrificed as a temporary uh, atonement to cover the sin uh, uh, of the nation of Israel and allow them to be in relationship with God. But it's just a temporary. And, and you learn all about worship and sacrifice through the rest of the Old Testament. It's all pointing to a coming Messiah, one who's going to, to restore us to God and deal with this whole problem that's been leading up through the, these, if you will, five challenges. And so let's just take a moment to talk about Jesus because actually in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first of four books of the New Testament, it describes or tells us about Jesus. So why don't we all here across the campuses take your worship center Bible and we're gonna turn over to Luke chapter 24. Let's take a moment, look, get a context for Easter, what we're celebrating. It's on page 1061. So you just take the Bible underneath your chair or, or however you picked one up at one of the campuses uh, for the moment and we're on page 1061. We're gonna look at Luke chapter 24, verse 4. If you're on a mobile device, Luke chapter 24, verse 44, uh, Worship Center Bible, page 1061. Now, let me set it up for you. Jesus left heaven. So Jesus, Son of God, left heaven, came to earth embodied a, a, a physical human body. So he's, he's God wrapped in a physical body, lives a life of obedience to God the Father, teaches us the truth of the kingdom of God, God's overarching purpose, what he's doing and where we're from, and, and then in this voluntarily dies on the cross to cover our sin debt, rises from the dead. And now having risen from the dead, he goes to his disciples and, and explains, hey, everything I told you I would do, I did. And that's where we pick up in verse 44. This is now Jesus having risen from the dead, talking to his disciples. Verse 44. He, Jesus, said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled. Everybody say that word with me. Everything must be what? fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses. Go right back here to this drawing. What are we talking about? Everything here that was prophesied about Jesus that was talked about from the time of Abraham to Moses to the prophets that foretold the coming Messiah uh, that David wrote in the Psalms. All of this that was foretold had to be fulfilled. And so Jesus has fulfilled that. And then it goes on. Verse 45, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures and he told them this is what is written, the Messiah, that is Jesus, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. So this is Easter. That's what we're celebrating today. Verse 47, and repents for the what? Forgiveness, say it with me, repents for the what? Forgiveness of sins. This is what is accomplished at Easter. Repents for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. So let's just make sure you understand what's going on. He fulfilled all the prophecy. What does that mean? That means some 700 years before Jesus ever arrived on earth, prophecy was foretold. So that you would know hundreds of prophecies was foretold hundreds of years ahead of time so that when the one came, you would know who he is. You could like figure it out. Now what are the chances that one person would fulfill hundreds of prophecies? I don't even know the chances, but I know this. Some uh, mathematicians doing probability have said, if just eight, listen, listen, if just one person were able to fulfill only eight of the prophecies, not hundreds like Jesus did, but only eight, what's the probability that one person could fulfill even eight? And they did that probability work, and it means one, chances are one in 10 to the 17th power. 
which is like a one with 17 zeros. I don't even understand that kind of math. But, but, but they did that a little bit to help us and said, in other words, if one with 17 zeros after, if you had that many silver dollars and you put them in the state of Texas, it would fill the entire state of Texas two feet deep. Then imagine you take one silver dollar and you mark it, drop it from a helicopter, and then you mix all of them up. And then you blindfold a guy and send him into Texas and say, walk as far as you want. And whenever you're done, just stop, reach down, and pull up a silver dollar. The chances of Jesus fulfilling even eight of the prophecies made is the chances of that guy picking up the one silver dollar that's been marked. I mean, it's divine. It's impossible, let alone the fact that he fulfilled hundreds of them. So Jesus is saying all this had to be fulfilled. Literally what was happening on the cross when Jesus died, is, and he said, it is finished. He's saying that this contract has been fulfilled and it is finished, which now makes the old contract or the previous contract the old one. That's why the word testament is contract. So now the old contract has been finished and fulfilled. And Jesus wrote a new, a what? A new contract. That's why we have the New Testament. It's a new contract. Jesus established, if you will, the new contract. And so, so that's why he describes here that, that the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. See, Jesus voluntarily died because he didn't have to die. He never sinned. He never should have died. We'll all die. We'll die in our sin. We'll die for our sin apart from Jesus. But Jesus never should have died. So when he died, his sin didn't cover payment for his, or his death didn't cover payment for his sin because he never sinned. So now his death can literally be the debt payment for your sin. It can cover your sin. So he voluntarily died out of love for us. And here's the big deal. See, when I was in, uh, let me illustrate. When I, when I was in high school, uh, most, I was dating a girl, uh, a most unfortunate thing, not that she dated me. That's not what's unfortunate. The, the unfortunate thing, uh, true story, sad. Uh, she got hit by a car walking alongside the road and, and died. And was buried and her body is still in the ground. Uh, my college roommate uh, died uh, electrocution two weeks before his wedding. And um, went to his funeral and he was buried and his body's still in the ground. Uh, my mom... Uh, she died at age of 53 with ovarian cancer. And she was buried and her body's still in the ground. Uh, my brother, 41 years old, uh, died on a motorcycle accident. And um, he was buried and his body's still in the ground. But Jesus <laughs> died voluntarily on the cross. And his body is no longer in the grave. He rose from the dead. And that's the big deal. That's the whole point of what we celebrate at Easter. In other words, Jesus conquered sin and death so that sin and death wouldn't have to conquer us. Now, if you're like spiritually unresolved, you're like, okay, I do this Christmas Easter thing or whatever. Somebody made me come here and I, I don't get why you guys are all wrapped up in Jesus. Like, why is all I got to be about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? What, what's the whole point? <laughs> the point is this. He's the only one that rose from the dead so that we could be freed up from the threat of sin and death for eternity. So he is the center of the story. And, and now, he says, forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name. In other words, you can be forgiven of your sin. You can be made, made holy. I mean, put it like this. How, how many of you know right now that the person sitting next to you is imperfect? Just raise your hand. You know they messed up. 
fact, they're kind of a mess. You don't want to be too bold, but you're like, you know what? I just, and, and you don't have to talk about it right now. You don't have to detail it out loud. You just, but, but you just know they've messed up. They've sinned. Of course, what you really know is you have, right? I mean, you know you've messed up. I have. And when Jesus says forgiveness of sin, see, what he made possible is that your sin debt can be paid in full and God only sees the righteousness of Christ covering over your life. That's how you get to heaven. That's how you get made right with God. You, you get made whole and made right and made new by the work of Jesus Christ. You haven't done anything for this. So, well, here's what's going on then. So this one big story is, is that the old contract has now been changed to a new contract. And the mirror image is from the 12 tribes now to the 12 disciples of Christ and the church. And that's the big deal. That, that's, that, that's now the mirror image event of what's going on in the New Testament. If you're wondering where we are in history right now, we're right here like this is where you are on the mall map. <laughs> this is where we are. And everything is moving toward the next mirror image event, which is a one world government, which simply means this. Uh, it wasn't going to make any sense thousands of years ago that the one world would come, that the world would come together under one and be able to unify language and understand each other. But that is more than obvious now uh, how through technology and the like, the world is getting smaller. But it made no sense thousands of years ago when it was prophesied. And it's going to happen. There's going to be a one world government and and the next major event is going to be the world is judged and destroyed. This time it'll be by fire, though previously by flood. See, the world's saying we're gods unto ourselves. No, we're not, but we're going to act like we're gods. And, and that, you know what, maybe, maybe we, we, we don't need God. Oh, yes, we do. And the next major event, Scripture describes, is going to be Satan and sin exit. And God's going to put an end to the reign of sin and the influence of Satan and people say, oh, well, I don't have a need for God. I'll just dismiss him. You can. You can dismiss him here, and he will answer your prayer. You can say, God, just leave me alone, and he will leave you alone here, and he will leave you alone forever. But you will have chosen it. And God has written a script. And in the end, all those who said yes to God through the work of Jesus and trusted him and are part of the new contract, the new covenant, they will enjoy, they will be God and redeemed people in paradise. And God will create a new heaven and a new earth. And that is the hope that we have through Jesus. And part of what we celebrate in the tree of life that was lost here back in the garden because of sin is restored to us. Men and women, God has written a script and God is very much on purpose. And what he set out to do, he will accomplish. It is one story. It is our story. And there is a bigger script than the one you're writing. And you can be a part of the bigger story. That's the invitation of God. That's the big deal of what's going on. And the church is not the center of the story and Ernie Johnson's not the center of the story and you're not the center of the story. Jesus is. Why does Ernie call it his spiritual birthday on December 10, 1997? Because Jesus talked about in John chapter 3 that you must be born again. That's kind of a weird thought. So the, the person Jesus was teaching is recorded in John 10. Uh, his name was Nicodemus. He's like, I don't know what you're saying. He said, what do you mean born again? That's kind of weird to me. I mean, hey, you can't go back in your mother's womb and be born again. And Jesus says, no, you're talking physically. Yes, that's how you're born. And you get a, spirit, you get a, a, a physical birthday on earth the day that you're born. 
but spiritually you have to be born again because you're dead in your sin, separated from God. And so when you believe on Jesus and you receive forgiveness uh, from God through Jesus, you are spiritually reborn. So that becomes your spiritual birthday and you need to be born again. So why did I tell EJ you are just a prayer away? Because there was nothing Ernie Johnson could do to save himself. God's done everything. You, you, you don't earn your way back to God. You don't, there's no good works to make up for the sin that's already been done and the debt you owe. Jesus has done everything. However, you must receive him. See, in that John 3 passage, he said, God so loved this world that he gave his one only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him would not die eternally, wouldn't be separated from him here or for eternity. In, in other words, when I was with my kids and they were younger, I would tell them, how oh, daddy loves you so much. And they'd say, how much? And I would do this, daddy loves you this much. So how much do you love daddy? And they'd go, oh, daddy, I love you this much. I know it's cheesy, but it's cute when it's kids. That, that's, that's what Jesus was doing. I love you this much. And he gave his life on the cross to restore you to the Father. And people say, oh, God is so angry at you and God's against you. No, he's not. He's not against you. He's for you. You're his lost sons and daughters, and he loves you this much. But you have to return the love. And you're a prayer away. But that prayer is a prayer of belief and surrender and restoration to him. And you commit to follow him, and he becomes your God again. And you're no longer God of your life. And you get returned to what you were created for. So that's why I said, Ernie, you're just a prayer away. And what did the prayer look like? I'm going to just put an example of the kind of prayer we prayed that day at O'Charlie's. Oh, Here, here's an example of it. Heavenly Father, I believe you created me, but my sin has separated me from you. Please forgive me through the work of Jesus. Restore me to being your child as I now commit to follow you as Lord of my life. Thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. And what changed when that became Ernie's spiritual birthday? Well, first of all, his eternity changed. <laughs> the gift of eternal life uh, is what he received. But it not only changes his eternity, it changes his life here and now. It, it, Ernie walks with God. God walks with Ernie. That's the gift God gives you here and now. And so it changes life. It's why, it's why, I, wanted, it's why I wanted Ernie to let us leverage his book and have conversations with him because I think it speaks to our real life. God not only is with you for eternity, but he's with you here and now. And so we're going to talk uh, from the unscripted book about this thing of when, when bad things happen. And I think we feel like a lot of unscripted things come into our lives we never planned. How do you navigate that? We'll talk about that next week. I think we're asking those questions. And, 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 and we'll talk about family when life goes off script and we'll do that the, the week after. And then we'll talk about career and, 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 and the pressure to provide and, and how you handle pressure and praise and things in life and navigate career and, because those are honest dialogue. It's why I wanted to get the book to you. I mean, it's kind of strange. We don't sell books here and we don't, we don't, we don't do that particularly on Easter, but I, I asked books, books for Less to, to make it available to us over the Easter weekend and next weekend so that you would have access to the book because I think it would inspire you and encourage you and help you navigate being off script many times in your life, and I think you'd find it a blessing to others. That's, that's the purpose. But that's Ernie's story. The, the, it really comes down to what's your story? Now, what are you going to do with this? Now, maybe you're where Ernie was 
uh, at the end of writing the book recently. I mean, in other words, you're where he is today. You're a follower of Christ. And maybe for you, the whole point today is that God is just want to reassure you that he has his hand fully in charge and fully in control. And that you just rest in the sovereign hand of God by re-remembering that there is a bigger script and you're part of God's purpose. And what David wrote in Psalm 139 is meaningful to you and you'll walk away with this great encouragement. So let me put that on screen and just remind you, you, oh God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written. That is scripted in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. And that may be the encouragement. You're a follower of Christ and you walk away with that on this Easter, that's awesome. Maybe you're like Ernie 20 years ago when he and Cheryl were like, uh, why is there so much Jesus stuff in these pamphlets? And you're like, why is you guys always Jesus, Jesus, Jesus on Easter and otherwise? And, and maybe now you're like, I, you know what? I'm not sure I get it, but, but like them, you, you, maybe you're as far from God as you possibly could be, but you're wondering, is there a plan bigger than your own? And the thing for you to do is the thing they did, which was incredibly key. They came back. Maybe your big decision is like, you know what? I, gotta, it, I can't be just an Easter thing. I, I got to come back and sit in this series unscripted and, and go discover if there are some better answers to bigger questions in my life. You're welcome. Come back. You know, maybe you're where Ernie was at O'Charlie's, when he said, man, God is messing with me. Maybe God's messing with you. Maybe you didn't expect this. Maybe he's been quietly messing with you for months or weeks, and you didn't think he'd mess with you on Easter, and here you are, and you have an awareness in your own spirit. God is messing with you, and this is your moment to get right with God. What are you going to do? Oh, maybe you seem religious to other people, but you know you've never said yes to God. We have a way of keeping our ego above God. Maybe you know you've never said yes and you're not even pretending to. It's particularly hard for men. That was no small conversation with Ernie that day. That's eh, probably hard for all of us because there's a resistance in us because we want to come to God on our own terms. That's not how you get there. You come on God's terms. So we're going to put the prayer uh, back on the screen. And we're going to read the prayer aloud here in the cafe theater, in the Cornerstone Theater. All of us at this campus, we're going to read this prayer aloud. So you in the Cornerstone Theater, you in the cafe theater, we're going to read this right here in the room. We're going to read this prayer aloud. But listen, we're reading it aloud because I don't want anybody to be singled out or, or, or embarrassed in any way. We're, just, we're a family. We're going to read the prayer aloud. But here's what's going on. For some of you, this is your prayer. You are a prayer away from God changing your life. And the power of this prayer is what God made possible. So while we're going to read it all aloud, it's not everybody's prayer, but it's going to be somebody's prayer. And if you've never said yes to God, and this is to be your spiritual birthday, Easter 2017, then this is your moment. This is a big day. So, are you going to say yes to Jesus? Well, then here's your prayer. But we're all going to read it aloud. But for many of you, perhaps this is your prayer. Let's go. Let's read it aloud. Everybody together. Heavenly Father, I believe you created me. But my sin has separated me from you. Please forgive me through the work of Jesus. Restore me to being your child as I now commit to follow you as Lord of my life. 
Thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, he sealed that in you. That's exactly what it is. A 20-second prayer changes your life for the rest of your life on earth and for all of eternity. And we're going to take a moment to mark and celebrate that. And you're wondering, now, what does that mean? Listen carefully. In a moment, I'm going to invite everyone to stand. And I want you to stand in this room, in the, in the cafe theater, in the Cornerstone Theater. You're going to stand in all those rooms. And then I'm going to invite all of you who said yes to Jesus to literally, if you're in the Cornerstone Theater or Cafe Theater, you're going to walk across the hall. You're going to walk right in this room. If you're in this room, you're going to walk right, and you're going to walk right up on stage. Don't, don't, get, don't get nervous yet. I'm not going to call you out. You're not going to say anything. You're not going to do anything weird. This is just you going public and saying, you know what? I just settled this in my relationship with God. And, and, and you're going to just walk up and all, you're going to pick up one of, one of these. This is just a, a, a 20-day devotional guide through the book of John. We, we, we wrote this and created this just for you on Easter to help you in your next steps. Put your name on it. Make it yours. You'll just walk up and, and walk around the side and they'll, uh, you know, they want to meet you and then let you go back to your seat. No, no big deal, but it's significant. So if you said yes to Jesus, when I have everybody stand, but here's what else I know. I know that some of you did not, but God's still messing with you. And I'm, I'm going to leave the prayer on the screen while we stand. And during a couple minutes of a song, while several people are going to come and, and, and just say, you know, I've, I'm going public. I, I've said yes to Jesus. You might, as you stand there, still feel this messing with kind of God's messing with you. You feel the battle. Your heart's pounding out of your chest. You're like, why can't I do this? Because it is a spiritual battle. Eternity's on the line. You have an enemy to your soul, the evil one. And, and you still have a chance uh, during the song to offer that prayer. So we're going to put the prayer back on the screen. So uh, the band's going to sing. And you got a couple of minutes. I want everyone to stand. Stand in the Cornerstone Theater. Stand in cafe. Stand right here in the room. And while you're standing, begin to move. You're like, oh, people won't let me out. Of the they will let you out of the aisle. Okay? Just, just let them out of the aisle. And you begin to come. It's not that awkward. I'm right here. Uh, you're not going to be on your own. And someone's going to come who has said yes to Jesus. And we'll celebrate with you. It's a big day. It's your spiritual birthday. We're celebrate your birthday. If you haven't said yes, you can. So they'll begin to sing and uh, we're going to settle this with God. So...
ashes of defeat, the resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. By your Spirit I will all of heaven do if even one, let alone hundreds. Woo. Happy spiritual birthday. <laughs>